boys and girls, what an episode we have today. I'm so excited to put it out. Can't wait for you all to hear it. Before we talk about who I have today on the show, please do me a massive favor. If you have done already, then thank you. But please head over to your podcast provider, whether it be Spotify, Stitcher, on an iPhone, it's just simply the podcast app. And give this show a fantastic rate and review. Five stars, obviously. Um, really, guys, it would be a massive help because the more people that do that, the more notoriety it gets, the more people that get to hear these amazing stories uh, by you know inspirational people. So yeah, please do that. It'd be a real help. Um, I just want to carry on sharing the message that these guys are you know taking time out of their day uh, to share with me. So that would be really, really great. Right. Emma Sale, CEO of Killing Kittens. Wow. So... As I was having one of my more reflective weekends, um, one where I wasn't really surrounded by Aperol Spritz and tequila, I was looking through the episodes that I'd done already. And to be honest, I was really annoyed with myself about the lack of inspirational women that I had interviewed on the show. And in all honesty, it was completely and utterly unintentional. Um, but within seconds, I had I started to put a list together of amazing women that I wanted to interview. Um, and the first one that really screamed out at me was Emma Sale, the CEO of Killing Kittens. Emma is one of the UK's leading sex entrepreneurs. She made her name launching the elite global adult party brand Killing Kittens in 2005, 13 years ago, uh, which now has over 80,000 members, uh, having launched events across the US, Australia and Europe. The popular press had pronounced her a leader at the cutting edge of the new dawn of female sexual liberation. She has appeared in national and international media from TV shows to broadsheets to radio debates and corporate talks. What Emma has created with Killing Kittens is nothing short of incredible. Uh, This is an episode that nobody should miss. I really mean that. Uh, It was a real pleasure to have had her on the show. I loved every minute, and I was really, really, really appreciative um, that she managed to fit me into a busy schedule. Guys, honestly, please, please, please get stuck into this episode. It is fantastic. I really, really enjoyed it. Take what you can. I think the best thing to do, which is why I always do on these shows, Mm -hmm. is just to get a bit of background on yourself. Yeah. Um, And kind of... Listen, yeah, up to basically the the inception of, of, of Killing Kittens and how it originated. But yeah, I think that probably would be the best place to start. Okay, cool. So it has been going, Killing Kittens has been going 13 years. Um, but it was born basically out of my, my background, which a lot of people think, oh, posh, white, private school girl, um, just messing around and starting a business for fun, you know, not yeah. needing any money, um, which couldn't be further from the truth. So I grew up out in the, um, I grew up, I was an army brat. Um, and had a very sort of muddled upbringing in that at home we lived in the Middle East, um, had a very controlling dad on one level, um, grew up in the Middle East, so saw a very suppressed females out there, but then I was at all girls boarding school in England being taught- Which, which one was it? Downhouse. Yeah, yeah. So Hanford for four years prep school and then Downhouse for six years being taught that basically I could run the world and be whatever I wanted to be. Um, so I had that in the town time and then the complete opposite in the in the school holidays. Sure. So I kind of grew up, but as I said, it was the best chastity belt that dad could ever have given me. Yeah. So my teenage years were all girls boarding school by time and Middle East by holidays. Um, so I kind of watched this, this kind of fire was growing in the way mum was being treated. So it was kind of women being oppressed. It was sort of burning from when I was little. Mm. Um, and then came into the real world um, after university and started working in the city um, and had some quite nasty experiences with 
male bosses and would complain to HR. In bear, fin- you're in financial PR. Yeah. yeah. Um, and bear in mind, I live with five guys. I was a sports doc at uni and live with five guys <laughs> who are all rugby, cricket, hockey players. So, you know, I'm used to the male banter. I'm not mm. precious. So it took a lot to go and complain and a lot to annoy me. Um, so when, <laughs> and um, we'd go and, yeah, complain a few times to HR. Um, and then... Um, in the working in financial PR and got told that basically I'd be a troublemaker. I was like 22, 21, 22, um, in the city and I'd be t- I was told I'd be a troublemaker. I could complain and make official complaints, but if I wanted to keep working in the city, then did I really want to be complaining? Um, so I went away and then a couple of months later made another complaint as one director um, and again got told I was going to be a troublemaker and then discovered that actually the head of HR was an old family friend of the director I was complaining about. So thought, sod this, left. Um, and then, um, and actually went into entertainment PR. I was doing that on one hand and I was also personal training on the other hand to get money in. Um, so we're sort of juggling this and then started doing the PR for the Erotica show. And this was also at the time when Sex and the City came out, 2004, 2005. Sex and the City came out, and Summers was hitting the high street. Um, Lalo, sex toys were going to Selfridges. There was this kind of, it was called that sort of the female sexual revolution media were talking about hap- this was happening. Mm. Um, and I was watching it and being asked on a PR front to basically make some brands more female friendly and what could they do to make it more mainstream, and including the erotica show. And the more I looked, the more I realized that whole adult world was run by men um, claiming to be female friendly, but it wasn't. And so there was this big talk about the female sexual revolution, but then I wasn't actually seeing it happening. Sure. And in, you know, in my friends and going out and about, sort of if men slept around, they were legends. If girls slept around, they were sluts. It mm. sort of, it still wasn't, there was a real imbalance. So that fire that had kind of just kept burning, burning, burning mm. was just properly stoked. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and I was at a very hedonistic wedding in Ibiza. And after three days of no sleep, <laughs> um, it's basically, there was no big, um, big business plan. It was three days of no sleep, seeing this sort of, the, this world around me and very confident women, um, all at it, left, right and center. And, um, I just, and then someone phoned in who'd missed the wedding and um, said, are you guys all just sat around killing kittens right now? And we had this whole conversation where what does that mean? And it's cyber slang for um, every time you masturbate, God kills a kitten. So I was like, right, that's it. Killing kittens. I like the two Ks. It's a powerful letter. It's going to be KK and I'm launching my own thing. And I want the rules like Fight Club and masks like Eyes Wide Shut. And I'm doing this. And so that's, and I wanted basically, I said, right, and I want to basically flip around what's happening out there at the moment and create an environment and a community mm. online and offline um, where women can come and explore their sexuality and feel completely in control and it be all about them um, and that's when it started so um, I mean this was before I think Facebook only started 2004 so when I was launching there wasn't really a digital media world there wasn't social media you sure. it was old school networking mm. um, and a bit of you know old school PR when you know Daily Mail helped us yeah, yeah, <laughs> we didn't yeah. ask them to help us but the tabloids you know yeah of course um on that front just getting the awareness and exposure and um and sort of uh the community grew and grew um and it's just sort of it's mm. growing it's grown from there and we very much sort of I was on my own for sort of the first six years and we were doing one party a month um and then in the last six years we've 
we've kind of launched different concepts in cabaret and then we've launched the educational side of things because mm. I've always felt that, you know, I've always said the female's biggest sexual organ is the brain. So mm. if you don't turn that on and understand mm. it, then no other doors are going to open anywhere else on the body. So, 100%. Um, yeah. So the education side, we've launched sort of workshops and talks and weekends mm. away. And Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I think that might be quite cool just for people. I'm sure a lot of the listeners do know what Killing Kittens is, but it'd be cool just to give us an all round picture really of what Killing Kittens is. And it's such a powerful community that you've got here, which started in 2005. Yeah. 2005. Five. 2005 so that's the, the 13 years yeah that's amazing um so in a nutshell it is it's a platform um on and offline mm. um which is all about women exploring their sexuality um and feeling safe and in a community that doesn't judge and when we when i started it, it was just offline yeah. um and we did one event a month and they were masked and single men weren't allowed to come and um every man that did come had to be accompanied by a girl and um, the the main thing is the rules of the excuse me the rules of the events are um, men can't approach women they have to wait that they don't know they have to wait for the girls to do the approaching so it's very much from day one that's been what KK is about and we have that that's gone into our whole online platform as well so I mean we have 120,000 members online um, and we do about between 15 and 20 events a month, but from New York to Sydney, Europe, um, mainly sort of London, UK, most of them are. But if you look at the numbers, we have probably 1,000 people a month coming through um, the events, but then 120,000 online. So it has sort of become, and I've always sort of known that the online side was going to be a big part, but Mm. I'm a very offline person. So that sort of just ticked ticked over the online side and in the last two years we've done a massive growth and tech growth and I've got an amazing CRO on board he's kind of proper deep tech guru um who's the yin to my yang on a business from you know we go to bed hate each other wake up loving each each other um but we work amazingly well together um and he's just made fly the whole tech side and that's yeah that's really just gone from strength to strength of that the um, online stuff yeah oh my gosh. and we launched it so we're on that front we're launching the whole the wearekk.com which is a site that everything runs off now there is the big killing kitten side which is sort of the sexuality sure. side um community side um and then we're launching sister which is in the next few weeks which is a sort of a female linkedin so it's yeah, yeah, connecting yeah. professional women with professional women and you can be a big sister like a mentor and a little sister wanting oh, advice there's so much so scope for it it's just that's it's the thing incredible. we're just to incredible. us we're all you know empowering i hate the word empowering sure. because everyone's using it at the moment but our whole thing is basically nurturing yeah. women yeah, 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 and yeah. girls for every aspect yeah. of their life yeah. so absolutely i mean i really want to get on to where where the business is going I, but for now, I'm really intrigued in the early days, what was the really like aha kind of moment where you were like, because you said that you, you didn't initially think of it like a business. You kind of just wanted to do some good for, for yeah, females and for the community. It was, I think it was that mission. And I just felt very strongly mm. that something were in it, that it wasn't right. There was an imbalance and sure. I wanted to do something about it. Yeah. And when, you know, age 22, 23, you know, without any money, um, and, um, and my parents were just, yeah, had just split up and dad had gone bankrupt. So it was very much, I was sort of yeah. out there on my own, yeah. um, which probably fired a lot more mm. of the anger. I always say mm. if you launch anything, you need that passion and that mm. fire in your belly, even mm. if it does stem from anger, mm. um, to actually go out and do something. So mm. I thought, well, this is what I want to do. Um, and it's, so to me, it was sort of, 
sort of a movement, but it was very, I've just felt very strongly that there needed to be this space mm. for women not to be judged. And if they wanted to explore their sexuality, if they wanted to sleep with other girls, I always said back then that, you know, any girl that says that they haven't thought about snogging on other girls is lying. Right. <laughs> yeah. um, and I had so many women yeah, going, that's phonics, I've never thought about it. And now suddenly, you, I should read in the papers at the moment, yeah. you know, there's loads on it, how women are naturally bi-curious and that's yeah. just, and more and more girls, and we're finding, you know, more and more women within, in, you know, married couples and stuff at the events and just in life are saying that they've always, you know, been interested in girls. I'm like, I told you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Amazing shit. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah but it's incredible that it's incredible so now it's all like going that way and you must be like 13 years ago like a lot of people couldn't see it, it happening it and it's just yeah. must be so satisfying it's just. really satisfying <laughs> yeah. and it kind of and I've always I've never got defensive and I've never sort of mm. you know I've had the odd argument with like the Bishop of Berkshire on BBC Radio and um <laughs> but I love religion and I find religion yeah. fascinating and I you know I know all that the history mm. of this you know and sex and religion and that so you know you can put me in a good debate on yeah. that front and I'll you know yeah. fly yeah um, I bet. so um the um, you know, I've just there. I've always gone. Well, this is what I think, and this is my opinion, and this is you know, I'm not getting throwing it in anyone's faces. Mm. Um, uh, <laughs> there's the Sierra I'm talking about. <laughs> I've already blown <laughs> blown the smoke up your ass. <laughs> um, and so, I've, from from minute one, I've thought this is this is needed, mm. but. I thought this isn't ne this is ne really needed, uh, but society might not be ready yeah, for it. Sure. So I've kind of just got on with it. Um, I've taken the shit and had so much abuse, um, and I've just ta I've taken it and not risen and not been defensive. And I thought, well, do you know, one day it's just not ready, and one mm -hmm. day it will be ready, mm -hmm. and we'll ju I'll just keep going and yeah. going. It's been a slow. So, you know, so I'm cool. an ultra endurance athlete. Yeah. So you know, 13 years to me <laughs> running this. I can go years prodding. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I think yeah. that's so cool though because it started as something really cool, mm. and you you yeah you didn't put pressure on it. And then I mean, but what I'm interested in, when did you really because you work, carried on working in PR, didn't you? So, for the, so yeah. basically, I had a couple of clients. For the first couple of years, um, I had a couple of freelance clients, mm. and I was doing one project a month um, with KK. And I think after sort of three years of doing it, then I went full-time. Amazing. Um, Is that when you really realised it could be a business? Yeah, and also yeah. financially. You know, I needed... I couldn't, you know, just do one party a month for 40 people mm. was not going to pay my rent. Yeah. Um, and so it was sort of, I just wasn't in a position, there was never any, um, you know, to start with, it wasn't like there was investment mm. involved in it, never asked to borrow any money. It was just sort of covering itself and then growing and growing. Sure. Um, and so I just wasn't in a position to do it full time. Mm. Um, and then, you know, when I jumped and threw myself into it, that was at a point where there was 200 people coming to a monthly party. Sure. Um, and so it was sort of right right from day one i knew there was something and i think one of the big things was when i did launch was having worked in pr there was a lot of journalists these big editors and big journalists who were really scary and you'd have to phone them up and pitch stories to and some of them were known as terrifying and just mm. really rude on the phone and mm. to a little pr um, you shout yourself and yeah, yeah. suddenly I launched this and within two months of launching it those big journalists were incoming calls wow. and wanting to meet for lunch and writing about it in like the Sunday Times Style magazine and um, and you know media that you sort of you'd have to with a dream when you had PR clients to get into and it was incoming calls and that's when I knew that I was onto something and it was 
important and mm. something was happening in society and something was needed mm. um, because it had that it had the public interest and that wasn't sort of the Daily Mail swinging tabloid headlines it was proper features and glossy magazines mm. and mm. you know about what was happening um, yeah. and that's kind of sort of fueled the fire to go actually it is working and I'm, I'm on to something and you've got to, I've just got to keep going. 100%. 100%. Um, but it was never, yeah, it was never, I never, as I said, I never had a big business plan and P&L mm. and forecast. I just knew it was needed and I felt very strongly that I had to keep yeah. going. It's kind of ref- really refreshing to hear. I mean, I, I, I spoke about this recently, actually, with a guy called uh, George Bessany, who, who runs a mental health business called Sanctus, goes into corporate companies and he, um, works with works with employees there mm-hmm. and he said that he, he didn't really ha- it wasn't he, exactly the same as you he didn't have a, a business plan he just yeah. he built a business around what he thought he needed and wanted yeah which is is essentially what's happened here yeah right? and actually a lot if you look at a lot of um you know a lot of businesses you know then the ones that are sort of the social impact ones you look at uber you look at airbnb mm. you look at even facebook mm. i mean he didn't have when that when you launched facebook it was to piss off an ex-girlfriend yeah. you know that yeah. came from anger and yeah. and you know he didn't know what it was going to be mm. and mm. didn't want to commercialize it because he didn't know what it was going to be amazing he just had a you know and airbnb and all, all of those you look at loads there's an amazing book called mission which i love and it tells a lot of those stories and and apple and virgin you know in the 70s they were the revolutionary ones they all mm. sort of came from people wanting to change something or feeling that there was an imbalance and something needed to be done yep. to correct that imbalance yep. a very simple concept they're not they aren't businesses founded on massive great business plans mm-hmm. um amazing that's no, so, so true Here's a one. What are the biggest sort of misconceptions from outsiders in regards to killing kittens? Um, I mean, there must be a few. Yeah, there's especially a few. Especially over the years. I mean, it must have... There's a few, and there's, you know, there's, I think they're, say, they're still the same ones. So the, one of the big ones is that it's just a big swinging setup, mm. which couldn't be further from the truth. I mean, we've got, as I said, 120,000 members, of which 19% are couples, 81% are singles. 19% pretty, are couples? Only 19% are couples. Oh. The rest are... Um, our singles split pretty much 50-50 girls, guys. Mm. Um, and, you know, at the events, you know, the last event we had, a big townhouse party, London, about 230 people, of which about 80 were single girls. Um, it's not, it's not a big, most of the couples that come would not classify themselves as swingers. There, a lot of the people, you know, within the couples, the girl wife might you know be by curious or bisexual or they just they're exhibitionists so they mm. stick to them you know they stay with each other there's you know loads of different reasons so that's that's a big one the second one is that it's all about sex mm. that you have to come along and get naked and jump in and that that couldn't be further from the truth as well i mean a lot of the events maybe 50 percent sometimes you have an event that's 50 percent of people mm. get involved 50 percent don't it's just it's not that's not what it's about i always say that that's sort of a byproduct (laughs) you come along to the party these are the rules this is all about feel open explore Mm. and if you end up having sex you end up having sex yeah i mean Um, yeah i mean um what's like kind of like the one of the main things you've seen in regards to the members i mean what what, in like what's what what didn't you foresee happening in, in regard to, like, what it means to be a member of this community? Um, do you know what I did? Well, I kind of... Because communities are really powerful Yeah, thing. I kind of foresaw and hoped that women would come and feel safe mm. and be part of a community and mm. belonging. That was always a big... The community side was a massive side to it from day one. Sure. So I kind of hoped, it's not necessarily I foresaw it, but what yeah. has happened is 
it's that part and we've got these you know chat groups and the forum groups and seeing some of the chat going on in there and also we've got a blog now we launched two years ago and a lot of on that blog are people's stories members stories of how they got into it and why and it's that bit you know a lot there's been some you know a lot coming from sexual abuse or abusive relationships in general um that forced arranged marriages or religious upbringings um and the story the reasons for them coming in and it's that that and what kk has done for them and hearing that that is exactly what i hoped it would be so it kind of becomes part of them and actually the you know it's more like a tribe i say <laughs> and um it you know the a lot of you know a lot of these members they the way they act is as if they own it you know it's them and it's part of them and yeah. they are kk kind of thing and that's why we've done this big um campaign we're launching this week which is the whole new branding for the site which is the shoot we did an amazing shoot with amelia trowbridge she's a big sort of vogue and high fashion um photographer and um we did this we are kk shoot and actually asked members if they'd be up for doing it not thinking do you know would the girls really would our members really want to put their hands mm. in the air and if they end up on the side of a london bus yeah. would they mind and actually we had over 200 girls want to do it um and we've done it with 10 girls who are pretty uh, they're naked but with slogans wow. written all over them and stuff whether it's fierce or kitten or proud or yeah, yeah, yeah. so um and they've come out the shoot the photos are amazing but they've all got stories as well um and and the reasons why and that Doing that shoot, I think, was the day I sat there and thought, do you know what, this is, this is, this is what it is about, yeah. um, and this is what I hoped 13 years ago it was going to be about. Um, it's been such a special moment, that. Like, yeah, so that shoot it. where these were members willing to put their hands in the air Incredible. and kind of own it yeah. um, and say, yeah, you know, we are thing is we are KK, and that's, um, that's what it's always been about. Well, I think it's so cool about it. It's, it. it's almost like a sense of exclusivity as well, mm. which is really cool. Yeah, like, remember the secret society? Yeah. Not it, so secret society. Yeah, but like, <laughs> it is like, it must, yeah, like you said, it's part of them. It's something mm. they're really proud of, of being. And, and to see that come so far in 13 years must just be an, like an unbelievable Yeah, exactly. And yeah. Like, all these people, they, you know, they own it and it's part of them and they live and breathe it. That, that to me is a testament for, you know, us, Sort of standing our ground. Yeah, sure. I um, mean, like we, we touched on it just before we, we started recording. I mean, the, the shift that you've seen in, in, in regard to when you started, it was more males that were kind of more excited about excited it. Excited about it. Yeah. And, and females were slightly a little bit more reserved. Yeah. yeah. And then when we said, because, you know, back then, you know, sex, as I said, there was this sort of girls didn't really were beginning to talk about it, and Sex and the City helped that. You know, they were talking about their vibrators mm. and things. And, um, and, you know, women were sort of talking about, actually, we have a right to sex life and yeah. being able to talk about it. And what if men can sleep around? Why can't we sleep around? It was sort of, it was beginning to be spoken about, but it was still was judged. You know, you still didn't, you went out to, you know, went out to drinks parties or dinner parties or in the pub. And it was still, you know, the girls sort of wouldn't put their hands in the air and say mm. they went to KK. Mm. It was kind of, they didn't want to be judged yeah. and you were still very much judged. So they kind of, it'd be very much that kind of slightly defensive attitude, especially from girls going, oh no, it's not for us and it's seedy and it's mm. sex and it's, you know, it's mm. that mm, disgusting kind of thing. And whereas guys sort of more saw it as well, it's sex, it's cool. Mm. You know, it's yeah, a sex yeah, club. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's how, you know, it was. And now it's kind of switched a lot and actually, What's funny, why well, I find it funny, um, is actually it, the only people that are kind of against it and are outspoken against it, I find are the more alpha controlling males mm. who feel threatened by it. Mm, mm, 
and insecure and they feel threatened that I'm gonna nick so often happens they think I'm gonna nick their wives and yeah, girlfriends yeah, and yeah. turn them into you know yeah yeah, yeah introduce them to the dark side and I'm like well who wouldn't want their other half to be confident and so empowered and feeling control sure. and actually you think well actually most of these controlling men wouldn't want their, their wives and girlfriends to so funny, find yeah, themselves very um, fixed mindsets yeah exactly yeah. whereas the girl whereas girls are you know love her and they're like it's all about us and yeah yeah have you seen um have you seen a sort of like when we talk about shifting have you seen a shift in terms of in regard to males now in society, like over the last 13 years? Um, more, to be honest, I think, and what I find quite sad is that, they're, and I, I don't blame them because mm. it's been quite, you know, anti-men. It's quite man-bashing yeah. recently, is they're more <laughs> the, in the insecure side of it. Yeah. Um, is that we, uh, there is that, you know, men have been very much the controlling yeah. and in charge of relationships. And it's kind of, that's how it's been. Mm. And then in the last few years, it's not how it's been. Mm. <laughs> um, mm. And, you know, all these women are going, well, that shouldn't be how it is. And you shouldn't be um, putting up with that. And so what I'm finding is actually the shift in men is they're getting more, their backs are up and they're getting more threatened and more insecure because actually I think they don't really know what their positions should be. Mm. Whether That's they should hold the doors open, whether they should offer to pay for the meals, whether they should, yeah. you know what I mean? It's yeah. just like, what, how, how are we meant to behave? I always say I feel quite sorry for women go, you shouldn't feel sorry for men, it's been about them for centuries. I'm like, well, I do feel a little bit sorry because, mm. <laughs> you know, it's a little bit of a mishmash yeah, yeah, now of you. Yeah. It's funny, I was, I was actually before, I, I was having lunch with two of my friends and one of their girlfriends I, I never met before. And, and in all honesty, for, for guys, when you hear the word f like fem femini mm. feminist or femini fem feminism, some oh, yeah. guys some guys get nervous. Oh yeah, completely. Like, yeah, and like in all honesty, I was like, I'm, I'm speaking to Emma Sale, and I told her a bit about you being mm. feminist and all this kind of stuff, and they were like, you because they because you know they they've studied feminism mm. um, through literature, they studied English literature, yeah. work and all this kind of stuff. And they were like, you don't have anything to worry about because you, you are actually a feminist, so you don't even realise yeah. it because like you're very open-minded. And, yeah. it's, and it's actually, it's not about our oh, women being it's first. A, that's the thing. It's about simply just... It's about quality yeah. and choice. And that's what I say. And that's it. And it annoys, and I, I've often, it's only recently I'm kind of now kind of, will say the feminist word and I am yeah. and stuff because I've always gone, you know, it's just that label just puts people with backs up. Yeah. And, but everyone's, you know, anyone that believes that actually women have the choice yeah. to do what we want to do, what we want to do it and mm -hmm. be equal and, you know, do whatever jobs and travel and yeah. then you're feminist. Yeah. Yeah, and that's yeah, and yeah. have control of what goes on in your pants. Yeah. Then that makes you a feminist, yeah, and yeah. Um, not sort of you know man bashing, yeah, <laughs> not man hating, man bashing, and these sort of real left wing feminists telling you know girls shouldn't be dancing around poles or yeah. pit girls and stuff. They're not they're not feminists because yeah. if you're a real feminist, then you'd say well that's their choice. Mm. So those girls choose to work in strip clubs, and I know a lot of girls who work in strip clubs and they get paid a lot of money. Mm. And the irony is they're not the ones victims; they're the guys. They're paying out money and they can't touch the girls. I mean, yeah. mugs. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? It's, so not the, it's not the girls who are yeah. being violated in that sense. So um, and, you know, same with, like, the, you know, racing the, the promo girls being banned and stuff. Why? They love doing it. One of my first jobs while I was doing my finals at university was um, going around doing all the Formula Ones, wearing McLaren kit. Bloody loved it. Yeah. Got paid loads but of money. Absolutely fortunate. Went around the world. Yeah. You know, it's like <laughs> yeah. there was nothing. I did not feel remotely violated in yeah, any shape yeah. or form. It was a great job. Yeah. yeah. So, so really you know, it's that to me, you're not those, you know, women bashing them. Mm. 
and the, those people, the girls making choices, or the ones naked and with slogans written all over them and posing in their underwear and stuff. That's they're choosing to do it. So, so you're not a feminist if you're anti, you know. Yeah, I'm, yeah, <laughs> that's so true. I mean, it's such a great way of thinking about it. Okay, hmm. can you just talk us through like how one of these killing kittens parties? sort of like unfolds I'm just intrigued okay so um, <laughs> I know a lot of people will be no like, no it's fine don't the, hold um, back I'm, I'm, I'm super the, so when the, when the, um, the full Killing Kittens parties we do and the, it's, we have a kind of the same and how does that work how do you book in um, so you have to be a member so you have right. to sign up to the website you have to register you um, people go oh it's got to be amazing you've got to be amazing you're looking and I'm like no we just we do a vetting when I say vetting it's you have, we have to you have to prove you're a real person. So yeah. you submit the info, you submit photos. You'll then be asked to hold up a bit of paper, yeah. say one thing or do a specific pose yeah. um, in order for us to know that you're real. Um, and, um, and you've got to have, you know, your biog has to have the right reasons for wanting to join. So that's the vetting um, in it. And so you have to go through that. And then once you're through, you can then book tickets via the members platform right and they run out fast they the London ones are, being, are running out quite quickly the big ones um, so they kind of run out about two weeks before an event mm-hmm. um, and so then you turn up if for the old school kind of KK formula you turn up and it's like a private they're private houses mm-hmm. private apartments um, all over the place um, and we always have sort of a champagne and oyster reception mm. um, everyone's in masks so it's like going to a private house party um, really nice people um, and chat around Carolina so afraid she's that hilarious um, um What's the thing? Oh, so you go, you go into the parties. Um, it's like a drinks reception, house party, private house party. Everyone's in masks. So there's this kind of, and because everyone knows what's going to happen later, mm-hmm. there is a real sexual tension yeah. that goes on, and you think, well, what's going to happen? <laughs> and over fifty percent of the people that come to every event are new people. So there's a big sort of turnover. Yeah. And because a lot of people might come once a year or twice a year, it's not sort of. And then you get some that are regulars, but there is a big sort of, you know, new people coming along sure so the new lot are great because you know they have absolutely no idea what's going to happen and um and then after a couple of hours you might get you'll have groups that sort of disappear off and you know it might be upstairs where there's bedrooms or play areas or some venues that might be big like swimming pools and jacuzzis and mm. um and then that's when sort of the nakedness happens <laughs> um but if you stay around the bar area often if i'm out in town and i'm with friends we'll go and there's a kk event on i'll go let's just go for drinks and we just stay in the bar bit and don't see any nakedness mm. i just know i'm going to get a seat yeah exactly i'm going to get do you, do you try and make it to, to some um i've got three kids under five and don't live in london so <laughs> um <laughs> i try and i try and get to like sort of one a month yeah um because i like seeing the members and i yeah, like seeing yeah, what's yeah. going on and it's kind of that's why I started it as well because I'm a people person sure. and I'm out and about and and it just sort of I get that's where my energy comes from so yeah. I need to yeah yeah absolutely yeah absolutely. in regards to sort of um, an entrepreneurial uh, yeah just int- entrepreneurial question I mean if you had a piece of advice for, for starting your passion project 
You know, what, what would it be? Would it, you sort of touched on maybe just being patient or something. Would it be something along those lines? I think it's, to me, it's, I would say keep it simple. You've got to ha- you yeah. really know what you're going to do yeah. and really believe in it. And yeah. if the fire in your belly is telling you that it's important and, you know, that you feel really strongly that it's needed, yeah. um, then go for it. But don't overcomplicate it. Don't have, you know, massive 10-line of mission statements kind of thing. It's yeah. You've got to keep it simple. Yeah. Um, and, um, but... I just say you've got to go for it and you always got to think what's the worst case scenario what's the worst thing that could possibly happen so when I started I looked at well, what's the worst thing that could happen I won't have any money I'll end up sleeping on friends sofas mm. and I thought I can deal with that sure. so that I could deal with the worst case therefore I had nothing to lose mm. um, so I went for it awesome yeah yeah nice <laughs> you, have to, simple. You, yeah. you have to just kind of you take just got yeah you have yeah. to exactly yeah. What I love about this is um, what I think it's the, the Killing Kittens is kind of helping do is kind of level the playing field. Because I feel like blokes obviously have always had that sort of like meant to, meant to have had that in, in historically have to have that manly exterior. Yeah. Um, and, and females have like been thought of as being, you know, being more sensitive ones. Subservient little creature. Yeah. <laughs> which, is, which is, you know, just the way it has been. But I think, like, I feel like there's a massive shift in sort of mental health as well now. Mm. So, I mean, my, my psychotherapist, he interestingly told me that, you know, 20, 20 years ago, 5% of his clients were males. Mm. And now it's 75%. Yeah. So now, like, do you, like, this kind of stuff is kind of helping... I think it's helping because I think it's bringing out the femininity in everyone and that's it's kind of I think where sort of vulnerability yeah Yeah. and the nine you know where you know when it all started in that whole it's you know in the city and having to break the glass ceilings and be more like a man I think what went wrong in like your 90s and 2000s of women in the city trying to fit in they became more manly Mm. And actually, and I always said back when I started, the most powerful, you know, person in the city is a female who knows how to use her femininity Mm. to get what she wants. It's not a female pretending to be a male. Mm. So we had, and we've we've come through that, and that's what, you know, especially the last three years is actually, Mm. we're women, you're men, and there's a massive gray range. It's not black and white. There's 50 shades of sexuality. And, you know, it's sort of allowing everyone to be whatever they want to be. Yeah. Um, and you don't have to be a man, you don't have to be a female. And you know, you don't have to have that manly man yeah. in it. You're allowed to have them. So the, fe- the femininity is coming, is coming out of men yeah. in the same way the masculinity is coming out. We've got it in both of us. 100%. And that kind of, you know, the taking risks and having more confidence and that's, those are very manly. Mm attitudes which you know there, there's a lot come out about you know why aren't there like more female founders or what's stopping females from launching businesses mm. and and you know it's like you can't make them yeah and you can do it and actually a lot of it is actually just natural female characteristics that stop us launching businesses because we don't take the risk mandy we don't have the egos mm. some of us do yeah, yeah. <laughs> not the ego no the risk the risk taking out I, I, I haven't got an ego but i've always been that pig-headed stubborn sure. i'm gonna do it but it's not that's not a natural feminine yeah. female characteristic yeah, yeah, um so it's it's kind of bringing that out in school girls yeah and that's what you, killing kids you touched on earlier it's kind of doing it's you doing that sort of mentor scheme now yeah which, which may help yeah massively really cool. and i always say that actually you, know, you can't just suddenly now like put a plaster on uh, uh, and try and fix the fact there aren't there many female founders and you know the females who are in their 20s 30s 40s yeah, yeah. pushing them out it's actually you've got to start when they're four or five sure. so all the way through well from the minute they're born grassroots level um exactly so they don't, they don't know the difference and yeah, you yeah. bring out that in the same way 
you um, bring out the um, on the boy front, you know, you have to teach boys yeah. how girls work yeah, yeah, yeah. and that it's okay to have emotions. And actually, you know, there's a big thing in mental health in schools mm. telling boys to, you know, I've got friends of mine who, you know, they're 40, she's got a 14 year old daughter who's just split from a 14 year old boy yeah, yeah. and they have therapy once a week, but the school push it. <laughs> the school have this thing every week where all the students can go and talk about feelings and um, and I just think that's amazing yeah. so yeah it's like anything like if you if you can start to talk about it at that young age like, like even like nutrition and stuff like that mm. all this kind of stuff at grassroots level like yeah the, you can food, shape the food issues always annoyed me yeah I've, I mean, been, I've been screaming sugar sugar since yeah. my degree 20 years ago <laughs> in sports science and yeah. you know we learned that sugar is the evil one yeah. so every time I'm like it's not fat yeah. but you know it's kind of no one you know what I mean yeah, it's yeah. like everything's been like low fat diets and this and that and now yeah. finally they're beginning to go, oh, actually, sugar's the thing yeah, yeah. <laughs> that will kill you. No shit. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so true. Like, if, you, if you just start to introduce this kind of stuff, it, it will, it shapes, it shapes your, how you think going mm. forward. Like, it's just, to me, it's just so, so bloody obvious. Yeah, exactly. To um, us kind of superhuman, <laughs> things are obvious. <laughs> to, to us legends. <laughs> um, exactly. What? Oh, I, what, I, what I think is just insane about this business, and I was thinking over on the tube, insane in a good way is the scalability of it yeah it can literally go you've like you've got the community there and now you through all that hard graph like being mm. patient 13 years it's like now you're bringing in these sort of mentor schemes and you know it's just got unbelievable scale. yeah and then that's what so two and a bit years ago i looked at all the figures and realized that actually over 50 percent of our revenue was coming from online and the tech side, but we were a very offline team. There was four of us, all offline people. So that's when um, I got, you know, started speaking to Hadley, the CEO, and um, and then realizing that, you know, we need to get an amazing tech platform that's a global one. Mm. We need that base. Um, and so um, we did a raise, financial raise last summer, um, and which we wanted to do community. So mm. to start with, we were looking at, you know, we wouldn't just get half a million. I say just get half a million. And, um, you know, the obvious thing was let's get some individuals to, or to all put in, you know, and go to the city. And it just wasn't, it wasn't fitting well. Mm. I did, did, just didn't feel comfortable doing that when, um, you know, our whole thing is community. And I was like, I'd rather have 400 people thinking that they own it part of it so we did cedars and we did a crowd raise in the end and you know we pretty much did it in three weeks um which was amazing we were blown away to be honest it was very humbling actually um the level of kind of and that showed me as well how much our members really feel like they own it yeah, yeah. um and a part of it and believe in it yeah, yeah. um so um we did that um to launch all the tech side including sister the mentoring side and so all our new platforms launching in the next six months it's on that app, front did you said there was an app well, yeah can, no, can talk about yeah so oh, the app cool. if you kind of look it's sort of an edgy bumble meets facebook cool. so it's kind of you can belong to it it's not just a swipe swipe dating there's Why? a big aspect of dating side of it um but with the female kind of in charge yeah. um but there's a massive facebook kind of element on the community side and brands can have their own pages and um and so. groups and push out to because a lot of you know social media platforms at the moment um it does the system is screwed you can't you know lingerie brands can't even advertise on yeah. facebook they can't have their own pages they get shut down the whole time yeah. you can have the headings and like watching dogs being blowtorch videos <laughs> on there but you've you know you put anyone in underwear 
yeah. up there. Shock. Shock. Shut down. So it's sort of, um, we're having a big aspect of that and got lots of brands signed up already who are going to um, have that side of it. So that and then the app version launches in May that's very attached cool. to that. So that, But that's, you know, that's global and we've got big... Um, we do monthly events in New York. We do them in, out in Australia. So we've got big communities everywhere. So with so that... you can access cl- uh, KK globally? Yeah, wherever you are, really? you can meet people. And it is, it's a global entity. Um, yeah. So, yeah, and we're, doing, we're gearing up to do a big Series A financial raise this year, end right. of this year, um, and looking at actually taking over our own premises. Awesome. So, yeah, so the scalability is, it's yeah. Incredible. It is um It is absolutely incredible. Um, yeah. It has got a lot of possibilities in that thing because it has, but what's amazing, it's got so many possibilities, we kind of have to... Refine it, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I'm very much, you know, my brain goes off all over the shot every five yeah. minutes. I'm like, this idea this and that idea and this, idea. exactly, <laughs> and throw it over my head and hope that someone catches it. So, I've, yeah. Think about <laughs> like, as, as I see you kind of speaking about this, I mean, I mean, F45 is the, is the what... I do. It's a franchise. Mm. It's a gym franchise, but it is. It's, it's predominantly female, um, and it's thinking about it. It's it, the community aspect is huge. Mm. Like, and it's it's kind of like a it's forty five become a space for women really to kind of be comfortable and mm. in in a training aspect. Yeah, because it's quite an intimidating thing, as you probably know. Yeah, like going into a corporate gym and you see a lot of females that are too slightly slightly too scared to, to kind of get yeah. involved and they don't know how to see weights and yeah. they don't know how yeah. that yeah so yeah i mean it's f45 no it's is cool a, is kind of i've seen yeah i've been yeah. watching f45 for years but um which popped down come down for a session huh come down for a session elks the circus 100 might well do it's not five it's <laughs> only 10 minutes away as I, as I just know um okay a um, couple of quick fire questions who is your hero Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton. I mean, literally, has been since birth. Really? <laughs> awesome. Right. I've seen her three times live. She's a, do you know what? It's funny. I, I grew up with the country music. I love country music. Yeah. And I think a lot of that is because they're real stories. Mm. And a lot of them have real, just real meaning. And if you actually probably listen to country songs, yeah. it's actually, you know, you listen to The, ga- the Gambler. And, yeah, yeah. you know, they're just cool. Yeah. Um, with stories. And yeah. meaningful stories. Yeah. And so, grew up, yeah, listening to that. And... Um, and love Dolly um, and just when her background and coming from nothing and I think one of nine siblings and mm. worked her ass off and looked after all her sibling, little mm. siblings and stuff and sort of you know what she achieved and the harassment she went through yep. you know being the original kind of female country singer and all the sexism and um, and having to fight yeah to get on the radio and get you know her just sort of as a female icon everyone you know you see her now and think Dolly Parton big booze yeah. country voice but if you look at her history Amazing. and what she went through to get where she is there should be a film um, about hmm? there should be a film about I think there's a few in there. Oh, I don't know oh. I don't know if there is one <laughs> no actually I don't know if there is one on her life story actually there's just other ones yeah that she's yeah okay cool so yeah it's not some big business female business woman because I think she is a female business woman <laughs> Absolutely. biggest book that's had an impact on you mm. just trying to think you, know that, you said that mission one earlier. The mission one is really good. Um, yeah, that as a non-fiction is really good because it actually kind of drummed home that actually I was on the right path and doing the right things. And it was actually reading that, uh, that two years ago made me actually go, I've always been like the reluctant entrepreneur. Mm. If someone, I've never used that as a label. I'm like, mm, cringe. Yeah. Um, but reading it and going, yeah, I took that. I did that. I've done that. Made me go. Actually, maybe I am an entrepreneur. <laughs> maybe, I'll, maybe, <laughs> maybe I'll accept that title begrudgingly, yeah. but I still won't put it on any of my my biogs <laughs> that I write myself. How come? 
I don't know. Just I don't just like the term. do you know what it is? I think also I've seen too many dickheads Say who you look at their LinkedIn or whatever. I'm an entrepreneur. What do you do? Yeah, I'm an entrepreneur, yeah. and you think, what have you done? <laughs> <laughs> or they tell you, and they you know they might have done something yeah. that's lasted a month. I, it just I think yeah. I, it a bit like the term feminist. It's thrown, I think it's away. there's quite a yeah. There's a bit of a uh, there's a lot of those <laughs> those terms. That yeah, exactly. Like so that, that kind of like and that also is. I've just thought with that as I said I don't you know I'm confident but I don't have an ego. I've just thought that's quite an ego. Yeah. Yeah, I'm beginning to embrace it. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, Okay, you might not be able to answer this one, but what's the funniest thing that's ever happened at one of these parties? I don't know. There's loads of them. (laughs) Um, Do you know? I think. I mean, one of the funniest stories is we did a kidnapping fantasy for someone who wanted to be kidnapped in Kensington Gardens by Batman and tied up and rescued by Superwoman, um, who looked like Catherine Jenkins, and. um, so I was the getaway yeah. driver and I watched Batman and another friend of mine, um, Robin, basically pegging it out of Kensington Gardens at 5.30pm with a guy rolled up in a street, in yeah. a sheet, running down the road towards where I had the van. And no, no, no passerby, none of them battered any. They just didn't that even look un- twice. It's so, unbelievable. Yeah, so there's, there's just, you know, there's always, there's every party there's, there's you know, one, one couple turned up with a suitcase that was full of clothes pegs and they came out all pegged up. And then an hour later, there was a premiership footballer and his girlfriend. An hour later, literally everyone, it was a party of 40 people, had pegs all over them. And he, the footballer was like, just thought I'd give it a go for chits and giggles. It, it's all, there's always, there's always funny wow, moments. Amazing. Every I mean, party's different, and there's always stories. So the, our off, yeah, the debrief on Mondays after the weekend. So you get a debrief on. We just sit there and some of the yeah. It's like I had, we had a big Dublin party this weekend, <laughs> and I haven't had the debrief yet. But the Irish are crazy, um, so there'll be stories from that. Amazing. All right, the last question I always ask everyone. Um, so this podcast basically started off off. Uh, I had a mental battle in my early twenties. So basically. I started it to meet and inspiring people and I always ask them, you know, one life lesson they've learned that they, that they could pass on to somebody because 20s is a difficult yeah, period. Yeah, really okay. um, A life lesson they've learned during that those years that they could pass on to somebody who's struggling for a bit of direction. Um, one of the things I, one of the big things me and when I had clarity is when you, you, you learn that self-awareness, when you are able to go, this is what I'm bad at. So I would say to anyone in their 20s is start thinking about your faults. Mm. It's very easy to know what you're good at and that's what people focus on. But the minute you realise your faults and your imperfections, Mm. then you become a much more sort of grounded and you accept other people and you accept other people for what they are and you don't expect, I call it managing expectations. So it's that bit that I would say. There we go. Yeah. Fantastic. I've absolutely loved this. This is this is going to be up there, one of my <laughs> favourites. I'm going to release this week on the back of um, it's International Women's Day. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I've really enjoyed it. I'm really, thank you so much for, for taking time Thanks out. Thanks for having me on. No stress. <laughs>